Good evening and welcome to Talking Sports with Evan. I'm Evan with Talison, your host here tonight on Talking Sports with Evan. Well, clearly it's Talking Sports with Evan. Who else would be your host here tonight besides me? But anyways, uh, thank you so much for those that are watching live, watching later, listening to the podcast later on when I record it. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in. And I do greatly appreciate each and every one of you. Lots to discuss here uh, in today's episode of Talking Sports with Evan as the Wisconsin Badgers make a coaching move. Uh, Shockingly, well, I'm not surprised they moved on from Paul Chris. I'm just surprised when they decided to move on from Paul Chris, as I'm sure um, a lot of you guys are as well. But I'm going to talk about that move moving on from Badger head, longtime Badger head football coach Paul Christ and what the future of the Badger program might look like. And uh, McIntosh, he has his work cut out for him to try to find the successor to Paul, uh, to Paul Christ, who had been a very successful head football coach at Wisconsin before things started to go wrong. So I'm going to talk about that. The Brewers baseball season is done. I'm going to discuss the year and why the disappointment happened. Uh, it's not as cut and dry as some would like to say. Um, you know, the, they're just not a good team. I'm not buying that. They just had, unfortunately, a lot of bad luck go their way, and they couldn't get it done. And I'm going to discuss uh, what's next for the the Brewers. Um including should uh, Craig Council or David Stearns uh, be on the hot seat. So I'm going to discuss that. The Packers are going to London. The Packers are the last team uh, that has, they're the last team in the NFL that has not played in London yet. They get their chance uh, coming up uh, this weekend. I'm going to kind of talk Packers Giants and what the Packers need to do in order to win that game. And it's kind of going to be pretty easy. And I'm going to get to that momentarily uh, in this week's show. I'm going to give you my predictions for this week as well, week uh, five of the NFL season. And uh, with that said, again, thank you for tuning in, watching live, uh, streaming it later, whatever your preference is. I do greatly appreciate it. And you're always welcome to follow me on on Twitter at Evan with sports or talking sports with Evan on uh, Facebook. So I'm going to start with the Wisconsin Badgers. So the Sunday, right around the start of the second half-ish, late second half-ish of the Packer game, word started circulating that the Wisconsin Badgers made a change. They have fired head football coach who is in his eighth season as head coach at Wisconsin, Paul Christ. Uh, they had let him go, and we're looking. Uh, Jim Leonard is now the interim head football coach at Wisconsin. And I talked a few weeks ago how I think it's maybe after the Washington State game, I think I talked about how maybe it's time to start thinking about the future as the team looked very unprepared uh, and flat going into a game that they had superior talent to. Uh, Ohio State, they got completely boat raced in a game that – I at least thought they were going to, you know, backdoor cover. That didn't even happen. And then Illinois team on paper, pure talent-wise, the Badgers should win. They came out flat. They came out looking like they didn't want to be there. And former Badger Corp uh, coach Brett Bielema just completely wiped the floor with them. And 
this isn't the first time the Badgers had looked flat. Go back to last year against Notre Dame, Penn State, Michigan. Same thing happened. Um, those are all three winnable games by Wisconsin last year, but offensively they looked bored. They didn't look. They looked bored. They looked boring. Uh, Graham Mertz hasn't developed the way a lot of people had hoped Graham Mertz was going to develop. The offensive line hasn't developed. Receivers have been slow to develop. And this year, it kind of all came to a head as the Badgers lost a lot of talent on defense last year. So they have a lot of young guys, and then injuries happened. And next thing you know, they're being blown out by Illinois. So to me, this is a sudden move, but it's a long-time coming move. Um, I expected it to, if it were to happen, it would happen at the end of the season. I know there are a lot of arguments back and forth about if Chris was on the hot seat or not by by uh, beat writers and fans. And unfortunately, the program grew stale and it was time to make a move. And Paul Christ was a great hire by Wisconsin when they brought him in to replace Gary Anderson, who tried to radically change Wisconsin, which Wisconsin does need to become more modern. They do need to change things up. They need to improve facilities. Um, they need to change and refocus how they do things. But Gary Anderson tried to do too much too soon. The recruiting restrictions on who he could get into the university became too much for him, and he bolted to Oregon State, left the program in bad shape. He alienated most of the high school coaches in the state of Wisconsin, and it was a mess coming in for Paul Christ. And he came in, and he did a great job developing the guys that Gary Anderson brought in did a good job of bringing his own guys in and they peaked in 2019 with a Rose Bowl loss to Oregon. And I guess maybe 2018 when they were on the Orange Bowl against Miami, I guess, I guess you could kind of say that's when the program peaked when they beat Miami in the Rose Bowl. I mean, in the Orange Bowl in their own house because they've not been as good since. And the biggest issue to me and you can point at recruiting, and they don't recruit good enough, and they don't recruit like other teams recruit. I know during the Ohio State game, one of the big things that was being talked about and promoted and discussed was Ohio State had like 40 or 50 four- and five-star guys on their roster, and Wisconsin, or four-star guys, and Wisconsin had 20. At the end of the day, the whole rating system doesn't mean a lot. Because then you have to get these guys in and develop them. And that is something Wisconsin, as far back as Alvarez, has done extremely well. They bring a two- or a three-star guy in. By the time they leave, they're going to the NFL. Or they get to that point where they're potentially being drafted by the NFL. They develop guys. That's what Wisconsin's been known for, for basically, like I said, since Alvarez. Bielema coached guys up, and they played these games against Michigan tough. They played these games against Ohio State tough, but now they're not. Um, somewhere after 2018, when the program peaked with that Orange Bowl victory, the development took a step back. And I don't know if it's because certain coaches left and Chris didn't do a good job of filling those positions, but the player development aspect of the program has suffered tremendously. You were producing NFL-quality offensive linemen year after year after year after year, and I can't point to a guy on this year's Wisconsin Badger offensive line that's going to be playing on Sundays. 
And again, they have a five-star at tackle. I think a couple five-stars at tackle, a number of four-stars in the mix at offensive line, but they're not developing. And this, the growth, to me, was stunted a lot due to Paul Chris's loyalty to Joe Rudolph. And he bolted the Virginia Tech. They brought Bob Bostad from the inside linebacker position to the offensive line, back to the offensive line, where he was a really good offensive line coach in the middle 2010s before moving on to the NFL for a bit, before coming back to Wisconsin to coach middle linebacker. I want to give him time to develop that position because I think he's a really good offensive line coach and things weren't going to change overnight. But unfortunately for the Badgers, player development has suffered. And the peak of player development suffering is Graham Mertz. Four-star recruit, high four-star recruit out of Kansas, fringe five-star guy was supposed to elevate the program to where they wanted to go, um, which is compete for Big Ten championships, which would put them in position to compete for a national championship. That's what Graham Mertz was supposed to do, and the Badgers didn't develop him. Graham Mertz has a ton of talent. He's got a strong arm. He's a pretty decent athlete. But Wisconsin has done piss-poor job developing him over the course of the last three years and that, to me, was the icing on the cake for the Paul Christ era and why things needed to change. You bring in Bobby Ingram to be the offensive coordinator this year to try to modernize the offense a little bit. You know, Gary Anderson tried doing it too much too soon. This year, they're doing it too slowly because Paul Christ handprints were all over the offense of Wisconsin, even with a new guy calling plays. If you're going to bring in a new outsider like that to run your offense, give him a chance to run his offense, which Mertz is, should be playing more out of the shotgun. He really should. That, that's, just, that's just my two cents. And I think Jim Leonard has seven games to step up and show that he can be that next head football coach at Wisconsin, which Wisconsin has been grooming him for, I think since they brought him into the program back in 2016, I want to say they hired him. They've been grooming him since then to basically take over as head coach someday. And I think one of the biggest reasons why they did it too is they wanted the inside track to hire him. If they wait till towards the end of the year to try to potentially make that move, you have the possibility a school makes a big offer to him going into bowl season if they even sniff a bowl. And Leonard leaves, and now you now you lose him. And I don't think they wanted to lose him. I think they want to give him the inside shot at that job. And we'll see. Leonard should relate to the players well. He play, you know, he's what thirty mid thirties, uh, something like that. Played in the NFL. Played at Wisconsin. He understands the Wisconsin way. And I don't think he's against kind of modernizing some elements to push Wisconsin to being more of a a modern offense. So, but you know, Leonard's not the only choice. He's not the only option out there. Big name being thrown around is Lance Leipold. I've heard rumors too that they made the move now to put him in contention for Leipold as probably the biggest uh, competition for Leipold is going to be Nebraska, who made their head coaching decision a uh, move a few weeks back, letting Scott Frost go, who has just been a disaster for the Nebraska program, and that's a whole nother show. Um, Nebraska has been pretty much a disaster since they got rid of uh, Frank Solich, who 
it was the right choice at the right time. It was the right vision to let Frank Solich go. But every move after that has been disaster after disaster for Nebraska. So, like I said, Nebraska is a whole other avenue, whole other ball game to talk about in regards to their program. Wisconsin's in much better shape than Nebraska. I will tell you that much right now. Uh, and Nebraska has to get this coaching hire correct if they want to have a chance. Uh, Matt Campbell is a name I've seen thrown around from Iowa State. I think he's taken Iowa State as far as he can. He's gone 42 and 27 over his last six seasons, but there's limitations in uh, at Iowa State that he might be ready for a next challenge. Jake Dickert, Wisconsin native, played at Stevens Point. Uh, now he's coaching Washington State, had the Cougars 4-1, and one, beat the Badgers, just 39 years old. He may be willing to uh, come home to Wisconsin. Sean Lewis, head coach at Kent State, former Badger tight end, uh, 36. He's been great at Kent State, have uh, played games uh, teams tough this season, played Georgia tough before falling 39-22. to 22. He's a possibility. Um, Potentially, Dave Doran, who uh, was a defensive coordinator under Bielema for a while before going to Northern Illinois. Now he's at NC State. He could be an option. I've seen Thomas Brown, who was an offensive, I mean, sorry, a running backs coach for a year um, at Wisconsin before moving on to Georgia. He was there. Melvin Gordon was the uh, uh, stud running back, Heisman finalist. North Dakota State head football coach, uh, Matt Ince. He's uh, 41 and five with two national titles in his stint at North Dakota State. Matt Rule, head coach, Carolina Panthers. He has not been a good NFL head coach at all, but he's a guy that's done really well in the college game. He took Baylor from 1 and 11 to an 11 win program. So those are some of the names that, if it's not Jim Leonard, those are some other names to look at. And I, I personally believe. If it's not Jim Leonard, I think it's going to be Lance Leipold. I know Leipold came out today and said that he's not interested in the job. But I think if it's not Leonard, I think it's Leipold. Leipold is a Wisconsin native. He coached Whitewater. uh, uh, Big winning percentage of Whitewater. I don't think he lost more than five games while he was at Whitewater. Won six Division III national titles. Um, has the Jayhawks 5-0. and He's shown he can build programs and be an innovator. Took Buffalo to a Mac Power um, that finished the top 25 his final season there. The Jayhawks are ranked uh, their 12th in scoring offense. Um, and they're ranked nationally for the first time in a very long time. So if it's not Jim Leonard, I think it's going to be Leipold. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now with the, the Badger job. Before I jump to NFL, uh, Brewers, game 162 today. Brewers fall to Arizona, 4-2 to to end their season at 86-76, 10 games over 500. Um, Other than the COVID year, the Brewers have been an above 500 team every year since 2017. 2020 played a shortened season. Um, Brewers finished, I think, a couple games under 500, but still made the playoffs. First time in four years, they're not going to the playoffs. So I guess the question is, what went wrong? And 
Craig Council is not went wrong. Is not what went wrong. And I know there's a few games this season that you can point to and say if Council would have done this instead of that or that instead of this, they're likely going into the playoffs. I know people criticize him a lot because he doesn't let pitchers go deep enough in the games. He pulls them early. Like I know he pulled Peralta. I think at 79 pitches before he's pulled Burns at uh, just under 100. Uh, the other day, he pulled Burns after three innings today when he had a perfect game through three innings going, pulled him out the game. I, I get that that's a criticism of Council, and I, I do sometimes wish he would go deeper into games with some guys. Guys like Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodworth, I think, have shown and earned and uh, that right to go deeper in the games if they if they can. Uh, I think they ha- should have more of an input at this point in their careers, if they're going to do that. But at the same time, you know, Eric Lowry yesterday at 97 pitches through six innings, I know it's easy to say throw him out there for the the seventh inning. The season's over anyway. What do you, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Well, the problem is Eric Lauer left uh, start three, I think three or four starts ago. I think this is his third start since coming off the IL. We had left elbow discomfort. When you start having left elbow discomfort or right elbow discomfort, if you're a right-hander, typically pretty soon you start having issues and might need Tommy John surgery. So you don't, you know, yeah, you'd have nothing to lose, but with Eric Lauer, if he goes out and you stretch him out seventh, eighth or ninth inning, and he throws more pitches and that elbow gives again, now you're talking, you don't have him at all for the 2023 season. Now, if the playoffs were still in line and you needed that win, then maybe you push Lauer a little more. But in a game that doesn't matter, uh, you're just trying to finish out the season. That's fine. Same with Corbin Burns. You don't want Corbin Burns to risk a a 2023 season-ending injury uh, because you pushed him too hard. So, so yes, that is it. I think that is a valid criticism of count. So I do wish you would allow pitchers to pitch deeper in the bigger counts, uh, especially Burns and Woody. But that's just Council's way, and it's worked for the Brewers since 20, what, basically since 2017. This dial has worked for Milwaukee, and I know you didn't have a Corbin or a Woody uh, back then, and you needed to, you know, manage games that way, and you have guys that can go deeper, but that's just the Brewers' way. And it's a statistics show that when you go through a batting order for the third time, you are more than likely going to uh, potentially be more likely to give up some hits. But I guess the big question is, what went wrong for Milwaukee? And there's a few things that went wrong, and I know I'm just going to sound like an excuse maker and whatnot, but it's not. These are legit things. The only starting pitcher in your rotation that did not spend any time on the IR was Corbin Burns. Woody spent a good chunk with an ankle injury and then a disorder that he had an issue with his grip. Adrian Hauser had two stints on the IL. Eric Lauer had a couple stints. Ashby had a stint. Freddie Peralta had a stint. The starting rotation was on the the IL too many times. And the starting pitching was not as good this year as it was last year. If the starting pitching was just half as good as it was last year, we got the Brewers in the playoffs again, more than likely. Bullpen, the Josh Hader trade... Definitely hurt Milwaukee, but it's not what broke the camel's back. The 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 issues sprung 
they had their fastest, their best 50 game stretch in franchise history. And after that 50 game stretch, they just couldn't, they couldn't get back to that type of baseball where they were winning games at a, a very high rate. And I think they're what 14 or 15 games over 500 at some point um, during that 50 game stretch because of injuries, because of just not being good enough, because of managing, because of trades, the front office made lots of reasons why they, they struggled after Memorial day. But I think the big one is injuries and guys who you brought in when you traded hater, Matt Bush and Tyler, Taylor Rogers guys, you brought in to take over for hater didn't produce. They didn't perform. And Bush came before the trade showed that he could be a pretty good pitcher in Texas. Rogers had shown in the past that he could be a pretty good closer in San Diego before he had a rough patch, just like Hader did. But Rogers was too inconsistent. Council maybe used him a little too much against lefties who hit him pretty hard this year. And Matt Bush, you know, when his stuff was on, he was dominant. And then you had uh, Rosenthal, who could never, never make it. And the trade deadline, the Brewers lost. The Brewers lost the trade deadline. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that David Stearns worked magic and did his thing to bring the Milwaukee uh, Brewers uh, to make them a better team. The Brewers lost the trade deadline. It's that simple. I'm not going to fire David Stearns because of it, but they lost the they lost the uh, the deadline, and it, it's very disappointing. But they did. Um, they they did not bring in a bat that could help right now. Um, they brought in a bat that can maybe help next year, and they brought in a starting pitcher that could maybe help next year or the year after. So Stearns did not do a great job at the trade deadline. I'm not going to sit around here and pretend and sugarcoat things and every, you know, and say everything was sunshine and rainbows and all that because clearly it wasn't. This is a Brewer team that should have competed better, more for the division and won it, but they didn't, and they're sitting at home while the Cardinals are winning the division. Um, and then they had a lot of guys underproduce. Omar Navias, uh, who was an offensive power last year, batted around 209. Rudy Telez was very streaky. I know he ended the year with 34, 35 home runs, but batting-wise, he wasn't that great. Keston Hira, who had a great start to his career, his rookie year, has failed to bounce back since. Colton Wong had a down year this year. Luis Urias had a down year. Um... Willie Adamas, who uh, I like Willie Adamas. I like his energy. I like what he brings you. Um, but he had stretches this year. He had 31 home runs and on 134 hits, 98 RBI, end of the year at 238. Uh, but he had stretches where he couldn't get base hits when it mattered most. And, you know, it was it was sad to see at times. Um, he was a very good defender overall, in my opinion. Um, some errors early on in the year, but I think they settled down um, with Willie. But I think Adamas just this year with a lot of the players 
it was all about that home run or nothing. And I think it, it hurt Adamas um, when that home run ball wasn't there. He started chasing too much. And that's unfortunately what we saw. And it's, you know, it does suck. So Adamas had 14 errors this year. He had 11 last year in Milwaukee. Uh, see a career high of 17. Ended the year with a 973 uh, fielding percentage. And a lot of his errors happened early in the year. Um, after his rough start to um, the field this year, to me, he was fine. And I think he'll be fine. He just needs to stop trying to hit for the fences all the time and play hero ball. Just put the ball, put the barrel of the bat on the ball and see what happens. You can't strike out as much as he has been. And he struck out 165 times this year. Um, a career high, 165 times this year. And he, he can't do that. He, he needs to play better. He needs to let, you know, have that strikeout percentage go down. He struck out 26% of the time uh, this year. That needs to come down a little bit. And like I mentioned, Willie Adamas brings a lot of energy. He's a fun player. But he had stretches this year where he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Andrew McCutcheon didn't produce like we hoped he would when they brought him in. Tyrone Taylor has basically been an up-and-down player. And then the disappointing thing until they moved him to the leadoff spot was Kristen Yelich. And this is one of David Stern's faults. Um, David Stearns isn't perfect. I think David Stearns is a really good general manager, but he's not perfect. And the last two seasons, 2021 and 2022, they put the team together like they were expecting Christian Yelich to be able to bounce back and be the Christian Yelich that we saw in 2018 and 2019. That Christian Yelich is gone. The Christian Yelich we see now, the get on base, the high on base percentage, draw a lot of walks, uh, work the counts, um, things, uh, leadoff hitter. That's the Christian Yelich we're going to see moving forward. And that's how David Stearns needs to build the team. Not that Christian Yelich is going to be the focal point of an offense. He needs to build it. The Christian Yelich is going to be, you know, a, a on base guy and put other guys in position to try to. Uh, drive runs home. Hunter Renfro, when he was healthy, was a great player, great pickup for Milwaukee. And then Garrett Mitchell, a bit of a slow start to his big league career, and the Brewers brought him up. But he finishes his uh, 61 at-bats that he ended up having in the 2022 season with a stat line of 311, 373, and 832. His last seven games, uh, 16 plate appearances. He had seven base hits, batting 438. His last 15 games, 469 on 32 play, uh, plate appearances, on base of 500 and slugging of 625. And he has, uh, ends his season, as I mentioned. He had played 28 games with a 311, 373, 459 line with two home runs and nine RBIs. I like what I saw from Garrett Mitchell. I think the future for him is very bright. I think with him, the Brewers' future is very bright. Now, where, where do the Brewers go next year? I think Colton Wong is likely gone. He's got a player option. 
So you got to address second base. It could be uh, Terang. It could be Urias, which I don't think Urias should be a starting everyday player. I think he needs to be a utility guy moving forward. He has to push for – he has to basically earn playing time based off his performance, which when the Brewers traded for Willie Adamas, Urias picked up his game. When they traded for Escobar from the Diamondbacks, Urias picked up his game. He's just one that you need a guy pushing him to be productive. And I don't think he's an everyday player. I really don't. I think he's a great super utility guy. You can play him at short. You can play him at third. You can play him at second. You can give a lot of guys around the infield a day off um, to manage that 162 games plus playoffs. I, so third base is a huge position in need for Milwaukee. I know Brasso played pretty decent at times. Um, but Jace Peterson, Mike Brasso, and U- Luis Urias are not your answers at third base. You need a better third baseman. Um, that's not enough. And first base, I think Rowdy Telez comes back. But if he can find an upgrade over Rowdy Telez, then do it. And this is the offseason. The Keston here needs to figure it out. Or you, I think you'd look at, uh, by the end of spring training, you trade him for whatever you can get at that point. Outfield-wise, I like uh, – I think Yelich needs to probably move the DH because I think he's too valuable for you um, as, a, uh, as, as a hitter, but he doesn't really have the arm anymore to play outfield. I think uh, Garrett Mitchell has earned the right to earn that starting center field position with Tyrone being the uh, – spelling him. I think Hunter Renfro, you bring him back. He uh, – I think Hunter Renfro, uh, he's got another couple years of arbitration. I think he's earned the opportunity to come back. But the Brewers need to look to upgrade left field. Um, If you move Yelich to DH, they need to upgrade third base tremendously. Second base, assuming Colton Wong leaves, you need a guy there. And then catching position. Um, I think Caratini you keep as your backup, but you got to find a new front, uh, front line catcher. And then bullpen. You need to restock that bullpen. Really dependable. You have Devin Williams and Boxberger. Uh, Trevor Gott up and down all year. Hobie Milner up and down all year. I think they found something in Peter Shizlecki. He earned his first save yesterday. I think they have something in Justin Topa potentially, but I think you definitely have to improve that bullpen. And I think you got to bring Craig Council back. I think Council earns another year to, you know, obviously his seat's getting warmer, but I think Council earned another year to try to determine if he is the right guy to push this team over the top. Because Council is a hell of a manager and does a lot with very little. Uh, David Stearns, I don't know, it might be because he has limitations put on him from Antanasio, the owner, but David Stearns doesn't give him the best stuff to work with. Atanasio doesn't probably doesn't spend as much as he probably could. And I think council gets the most, what he most, what I think he gets the most with what he's got. And I think you need to upgrade third base, second base catcher and left field and move Yelich to DH as we move forward in the 2023 season. And you give council another shot there as your, uh, as your manager. I don't think it's time to let council go yet. So moving on to the NFL, and if you think I'm an idiot and you think I'm a moron, tell me. If you think I'm a moron, tell me. Um, 
I was wrong about the Brewers being a playoff team this year. I projected that they were going to win the division, have about 93-ish wins. Um, Cardinals would finish second. And I was clearly wrong. And uh, I thought they still had a chance a couple weeks ago at clinching that wild card. And clearly I was wrong there. So I'm saying right now I was wrong. And Scott, you are 100% correct. So you uh, were not high on this Brewer team. And obviously I should have listened to you a little bit more on your assessment of this team. But I don't think the team's that far off uh, from getting back into the postseason contention. They don't have to do a drastic overhaul. They just have to do some uh, retooling at some spots and see what happens in 2023. 20, uh, That's kind of where I'm at. Packers beat the Patriots last week uh, in overtime, and I know a lot of people are uh, whining about the quality way they won, needing a field goal in overtime. They win 27-24, but it's week four. You're still figuring out your offensive identity um, no, with without Devontae Adams, you're still figuring out your offensive line with getting Bakhtiari back and Elton Jenkins back. Your interior, especially Runyon Jr., has been incredible. He's not given up any kind of pressure yet this season um, at all. He's the only guard in the NFL that has zero pressures allowed at this point of the season. Runyon's done great. And I know there's lots of talk about moving Elton Jenkins back inside because he hasn't looked great at right tackle so far. If they do that, put him at the right side. Put Yash Nyman at right tackle. Put Jenkins at right guard. I don't think you mess around with Jink, uh, Runyon at this point. He's been playing left now since last year, every down. I think you keep him at left guard because he's a really good player, and I don't think you just mess around um, with that at all. But the Packers got the win. Rodgers looked not good at all in the first half, but he looked great in the second half. He's learning his personnel. He's figuring out what Romeo Dobbs can offer. He's figuring out what Christian Watson uh, Christian Watson can offer. And Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are two really good backs. And Jones should be the focal point of this offense, especially until the rece- Rodgers figures out what exactly these receivers offer and the offensive line gets a little bit more comfortable playing with one another. But, hey, it's a National Football League. It's tough to win in the NFL. I would love to beat the, I would have loved to beat the Patriots 35 to nothing. But it's the NFL. And, I, yes, there are concerns I need to correct. And this is the time in the season you correct them. So, obviously, the Packers need to do a better job of stopping the run. And that starts with Devondre Campbell. He's not been – he hasn't been awful. But he's not been as good as he was last year. I think he has six missed tackles on the year already. And last year, he had six all of last season. So he needs to do a better job. Quay Walker is still getting his feet wet. He could do better against the run, but he's been a great addition uh, with the passing game. But as a rookie, that's going to develop over time. No, it wasn't a bad pick by Goot. Uh, The linemen could do better. But again, they didn't need him to show up and be a dominant player right away. They had Kenny Clark and Reed to kind of help him ease into the NFL. And unfortunately, he hasn't produced as quickly as we hoped. But I'm not giving up on two first-round picks now. Because if we would have done that, we would have gave up on Rashawn Gary after his rookie year. And Rashawn Gary has an inside track, a prediction I made, of winning defensive player of the year, five sacks through four games. He's got a sack in every game 
I believe, of this season, at least one sack. Gary's becoming that dominant edge rusher that we were hoping he was going to be when they drafted him. And he's very stout against the run, and he's a great pass rusher. But yeah, the Packers have to do better against the run, and they should have bolt raced the Patriots. But like I said, winning in the NFL is hard. And this week, they fly across the pond to London to take on the New York football Giants, who could be playing with their third-string quarterback due to injury, Daniel Jones, Tyrod Taylor, limited and uh, limited and did not participate in practice this week. So the Packers' defensive game plan should be simple. <laughs> we're loading up to stop Shaquan Barkley, and that's who we're focused on. And I think the, the Packers are clearly the better team than the New York Giants. The Packers should win this game. I know playing in London brings its difficulties. Playing in London brings its its issues, but I think the Packers should beat the uh, should beat the Giants to me quite handedly, and the Packers hopefully get their first big win of the year playing in front of this London crowd. Keys to victory: Rodgers continuing to grow with the receivers and trying to uh, get the ball to Romeo Dobbs. I don't think there's too many players on the Giants that can stop him, and continue to feed the ball with Aaron Jones and make him the centerpiece of the offense. Other games going on around the NFL, Colts and Broncos, Thursday night football. I think the Broncos are going to get the win. The Colts have not looked good at all. Now Jonathan Taylor is out, and it would be interesting to see what happens. with No Jonathan Taylor. Matt Ryan has not looked good. Lions-Patriots, I think the Lions get the victory in New England. Lions are offensively have been really good. Defensively, they've been struggling, but they may be going up against the third-string quarterback as well. I think they get this victory. The Chargers beat the Browns in Cleveland. I think the Chargers are just the better team overall, and I think they get that win. The Jaguars beat up on the Texans. The Buccaneers squeak by Atlanta. Yes, squeak by Atlanta. The Bills beat the Steelers pretty handedly. The Dolphins squeak by the Jets without Tua. I just think the Jets, uh, being the Dolphins, are the better team. The Vikings beat the Bears. The Titans beat the Commanders. The Seahawks beat the Saints. 49ers beat the Panthers. The Eagles beat the Cardinals. Rude awakening time for Cowboys quarterback, who's filling in for Dak Prescott, as the Rams beat the Cowboys in pretty easy fashion. And then the Ravens beat the Bengals, and the Chiefs beat the Raiders. So with that said, thank you so much for listening in to the show. I appreciate it. This has been Talking Sports with Evan. You can find me on Twitter at Evan with sports or on facebook talking sports with evan interact with me tell me i'm an idiot for my brewer position that's fine until next week hopefully talking about another packer victory i will talk to you all later